Welcome to episode 13-8 of the Tech Human Podcast, the episode where Sony pays us to say negative things about the Xbox One and positive things about the move. I am your host, Robert Desert Eagle Allen. Speaking of the PlayStation Move, we have the one American who purchased every single compatible game and accessory for that wonderful colored wand, Mr. Jeremy Lawman Lamont. Move, move. <laughs> that should have been that should have ended each and every move commercial had there it been move commercials <laughs> were there move commercials uh you know the, i believe that they when they first were coming out with it because i remember they had that uh, thing where uh, there was this wireframe like a bow and arrow would show up and then like a ping pong yes. paddle and stuff like that so they, they had that but i don't know that they ever actually advertised the individual games yes I you know i, I, I remember actually... the archer guy that was like half wireframe half real I actually don't have every game though. I never got the um, what was that racing game? Kung Fu race, Kung Fu racers. Oh no, no chairs. It had like yeah. chairs. Kung yeah, Fu but chair wasn't it, wasn't it called Kung Fu? Yeah, yeah. And so and I guess you're just like a salary man, you know, sliding. <laughs> right. I never got that one. And, and now that I'm talking about it, I know actually that's what made me think of it. Is I was just randomly browsing GameStop and I saw it there and I'm like, ooh. Can I tell you, it's uh, not absolutely uh, horrible. Really? It's bad. I, it's bad. It's not good. I'm not gonna. <laughs> You know, stick up for it, but it's like kind not... of thinking about it right now. I kind of want to. I kind of want to go get it. Like, it's... All right. as Jeremy leaves the show to go to game, yeah. Top, let me <laughs> introduce my other co-host. Uh, speaking of completionists, we have the foremost Fire Pro expert. I'm talking about Eric, whatever the hell is his name on Twitter this week is Eric <laughs> Blue. What is your name on Twitter? Um, I believe it is Tenma plus Megatron equals Blue. And basically, that kind of references the two anime personalities that most, you know, uh, most represent myself. You have the complete goofiness of Tenma Scamato from School Rumble, mm-hmm. and then you have the de- delightfully Saturday morning cartoon villain Megatron hmm. from Transformers Generation One, and that pretty much sums me up to a T. And T.S. and Megatron. Hold on one second. We, we lost Jeremy. Oh, my God. Maybe he actually did go to GameStop to get that thing. He really did. Anyway, uh, is it thank you for listening. We have a number of codes to give away for Poof versus the Cursed Kitty. That is Nico's amazingly addictive platformer. Uh, wait, wait, wait. T- did you say Pooh? Poof. P-O-O-F. I, 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 the F didn't come Did you listen like... to last week's show? There is poo in the game. There's golden poo. You lay golden poo. <laughs> My strategy is to lay golden poo on both sides of the cursed kitty. Like, as soon as you can, lay poo. You just drop it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Everybody lays poo. It's yeah, okay. we're, we're getting into bathroom habits, which is way off topic here. Anyway, uh, this is, as I said, an amazingly addictive platformer. Uh, we talked about it last week's Indie Outlook. Um, I downloaded the game expecting about a half-hour play session and managed to, to uh, waste about, I shouldn't say waste, but spent two quality hours, uh, numerous unlocks later, with the game. And we also have codes this week for a game called Lucifer Ring. Uh, and Double Dragon, thanks to Monkey Paw. Those are two PS1 imports. And what kid would not want a game called Loose for Ring? I mean, that's just Do it for the children. Ass. Do it for the children. Yeah, definitely. It sounds, sounds, like, like, a, something... sounds like a black metal band, doesn't it? Loose for it Ring. Does. Actually, I think it sounds like I think it sounds like a marital aid, Lucifer Ring. <laughs> I don't know what's well, I don't know what goes on in Lamont House. Okay, so let's kick things off. I want to summon what is it? Uh, Roseberry's baby. <laughs> Summons aside, uh, let's kick things off with some impressions. So one of the things I like roguelikes, and uh, you guys know I love me some mechs. So when I first heard the pitch on buying. 
Dues, and that's Dues, D-U-E-S, not Dudes. Everyone I tell, uh, everyone I talk to about this game, they think I'm saying Bionic Dudes. So it's Bionic Dudes. I wish dudes. it were Bionic Dudes. Yeah, I know. The, the sequel to Bad Dudes. Uh, so Bionic Dudes, I w- it's basically, in three words, Rogue with Robots. Uh, it's created by uh, Arson Games. They are the developers behind that procedurally generated platformer, Valley Without Wind, and, a, and its sequel. And they're a team that created one hell of a nice little time sink. Uh, the game opens with a song, and not just a, a plucky little chiptune ditty, but a fully vocalized song that, I, that uh, really shows the ambition of Arson. Uh, the only thing that's missing for me is a montage of anime cutscenes by Madhouse, and then I'd really feel at home. Blue, you know what I'm talking about. Jeremy's lost. He's scratching his head right now at that reference. Uh, anyway, after, <laughs> after the uh, song, players get a little bit of a backstory. It seems the Robo Armageddon is imminent. And by imminent, I mean it's scheduled to occur precisely in 50 days. And the only thing that can stop it is building a team of four kick-ass mecha, uh, each with their own playstyle and loadout. So in execution, that means using your WASD keys to, to move around the different areas. You right-click on opponents and obstacles, uh, things such as these um, fuel tanks, which blow up a whole area, and often my, my own team. Uh, you select weapons from a menu on the left side of the screen. Weapons are, are diverse. Each one has a different range, area of effect, and firing pattern. Now, as you move around, you, you pick up loot, of course, because this is a, uh, a roguelike. But in this case, its pieces uh, augment your mecha team. So at the end of each round, you go and you equip uh, items in a, um, it's like a Diablo-style interface, uh, where you get to see the stat boost of your weapon. So you have uh, core items that replenish health and things like that. Uh, Your mechs don't grow in experience like adventures, but they do grow in strength. So you're constantly shifting between the city, uh, between city crawls, not dungeon crawls, and and mech building. The only worry there is power consumption being the main limiting factor there. Uh, I put about eight hours in, and I will definitely be playing more. Uh, Even though this week's humble bundle uh, has a has a roguelike sale, so six, ro- six roguelikes for $6. This one, Bionic Dues, is calling my name. Um, it's usually $10. Right now it's on sale for 3 So anyone who likes a combination of rogue and robots, they are you guys ready for it? They need to pay right. their Bionic Dues. Mm. <laughs> oh, I, I got the Bronx cheer on that one. Mm. <laughs> so the... I... I uh, okay, I got the transition here. The main dichotomy in mechs is the tension between big and slow and light and nimble. Right, Jeremy? As always. Yeah. So similar to that, uh, there are two FPS camps. On one hand, you have kind of the Unreal Tournament, the Call of Duty, the Twitch ch- shooters, which are kind of all the rage. And by rage, I'd put uh, id's underrated shooter in that camp as well. Uh, and then there's the more realistic. There's the Ghost Recons, the Armas, the Operation Flashpoints. And those, um, if you run around, you're going to have an extremely low kill-to-death ratio. Uh, Insurgency, the next game I'm going to be talking about, that bridges the gap. Uh, for those that don't like the Bohemia or Codemasters or Ubisoft style of play... The barrier of entry isn't too high. Um, as long as you take it slow, you stick with your squad, and obey the rules of urban urban combat, you'll do fine. Speaking of and talking about urban combat, Insurgency nails the little details of the context. Um, there, there's a lot of little small visual details. There's garbage piles around, smoke 
It kind of billows in the in the sky. Uh, little audio details like the sound of buzzing flies, the distant crackle of gunfire. Uh, the game really delivers a great sense of of setting there. Um, of course, the maps they're a little they have that multiplayer feel, so there's a little bit of symmetry which feels slightly artificial. But there's a good balancing. There, there's full of really interesting areas. One has this bazaar um, filled with these uh, little market uh, push carts that are made of flimsy cover, and then around it are these wraparound hallways. That's just a, a nirvana for snipers. There, um, friend of the site Drew, uh, he supplied Sai and myself early access codes, and even in that state. This this was uh, three, four weeks ago. The game just came out on Steam this week. The game ran near perfectly and uh, seemed playtested really, uh, really well. Uh, anyone looking for a good first-person shooter with just a bit of tactical play definitely might want to get a four-pack to share with their uh, brother, brothers-in-arms. Uh, when I played with Drew, Saigons, and a few other people, it was really one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had lately, especially due to the matchmaking, uh, which worked perfectly in this early form. Hopefully it's still, still solid. For me, Steam isn't always the best matchmaking, so Killing Floor, I'm, I'm kind of looking at you. <laughs> so that's... Insurgency, definitely definitely cool one to check out. Uh, I also spent a little time with Secrets of Radicon. You guys heard about that? How do you spell Radicon? <laughs> Silence. That, that, R, that, R, that A-E symbol, or is it E-A? R-A-E-T-I-K-O-N. Yes. I think there's a Sigma symbol in there somewhere. Okay. <laughs> uh, Secrets of Radicon, uh, that is the latest from Vienna-based Broken Rules, um, who break the rules of spelling like I probably just did. They were responsible for a game called Chasing Aurora. That was a Wii U game. It was a 2D racing game with birds. Played the demo, and I almost bought the game, but uh, some of the reviews said it was a little too multiplayer-focused and... For some reason, I wanted a single-player bird game. So, birds, that's exactly what Radicon is. Um, hey, wait. Did yes. you see the thing about the first-person cat game? Meow. Called uh, cat-, cat Lateral Damage. I don't, know if it's, <laughs> I don't know if it's actually a thing yet. I haven't actually looked into it. But the idea, the, the idea behind the game, it's a first-person cat game, and you use your... Yarn. Uh, no, 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 no. Oh. Even better. You have a little paw that you can swipe, and the entire goal of the game is to climb up on your owner's shelves and things, and just use your just paw to knock... <laughs> that actually sounds pretty cool. It does. It actually... I, I thought it sounded lame at first, but the more I think about it, it's perfect. So, anyway, first-person cat game, first-person bird game. So, uh, no, this isn't first-person. I mean single-player. Single-player oh, bird game. I see. So, not, uh, not first-person. 2D. Uh, which is, you know, uh, Radicon is, is a very nice looking 2D game. It's currently in early access. Uh, you start the game as a bird, you fall out of the sky, and then you use either your controller or WASD keys to fly around. And the game delivers a really nice simulation of flight. Um, it expresses kind of the exhilaration when, when you dive really quickly or your turning radius uh, feels bird-like. You know, avian-like. Uh, you click these little triangles, they're called slivers, that are scattered around the environment. And they're used at certain locations to unlock new areas. And uh, you expel your collection, and then these statues, they grant you access to previously inaccessible areas. Somewhat castle, castle or Metroidvania-like, to use that word that uh, Sage heard for the first time. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah, that was... 
I didn't know if she was pulling your leg. So lately I've been looking at and thinking about the pace and rhythm of games. And I like Raticon. It has a really nice cadence. Uh, at times the journey is kind of just carefree. You're flying around through the skies and you see this little baby bird and you help the little baby bird to the nest. Uh, combat, you know, of course, feels a little bit more intense. And the game conveys kind of the the sense of fragility of being a just a little bird um there's always you know and i think that that's also conveyed when you're picking up items uh, occasionally you're, you're asked to grab rocks which right now is a little janky uh, in the opening level took me about a minute to find the kind of the sweet spot on this giant boulder to to rock and sway it out of the way so in other words though i i feel like a real bird i mean i'm swift and elegant some sometimes but i'm weak and fragile in others um well one thing i'll mention but what about in the game uh it's true as well jeremy (laughs) (laughs) i i I was gonna sing a few bars of nelly Furtado right now but i will refrain for the listeners anyway uh, another thing i was gonna talk about pretty spoiler free because it's in the first uh, few minutes um there's a little rabbit hopping down at the bottom uh, of a well at the beginning of the game um you're trying to figure out how to move this big stupid boulder and i would fly up to the top of the area and i'd grab some rocks and just let them go because i don't know figure that's what birds would do um and then i flew down once um and i saw that the rabbit wasn't moving and there was this red triangle next to him and uh turned out i killed him and uh, a game hasn't made me feel that bad in a long time. I nearly guilt quitted the game. That red Wow. Track. Yeah. Is that a term? Guilt quit? Um, like the other? Rage quit? Did I just make that up? I think yeah. you coined it. Okay. Copyright it. Trademark Copyright. it. Guilt quit. I don't think it happens very often. Well, it you know, I mean, I used to... I, I remember reloading, you know, saves in Grand Theft Auto if I ran over pedestrians from time to time. See, I, well, maybe because they're people and like hookers and stuff. I don't feel so yeah. bad. But a little I mean, rabbit. I just wanted to run the that one over polyg- so I could get my refund. I didn't mean right. to run, mow them all, though. Right, a little polygonal rabbit. Like, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, I can't live. I just myself. found it interesting that it was just a red triangle. Yeah, I didn't know if it was, and then it kind of. I felt a little weird because it gives you, uh, it gives you your health back. So was I eating this cute little rabbit entrails? I had a hard time living with myself that day, Jeremy. I needed the Lucifer ring to kind of wind down. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if we're thinking that it's the same thing that we think it's thinking. I don't know. It's not the flashlight. Uh, I don't. That's that's not what I was thinking. It's not but... The red hot flashlight with two horns on the tip. No. <laughs> uh, never mind. I'm thinking of another appliance. Maybe. Jeremy, perhaps. Dig me out of this one. Oh. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig you out with my shovel because I've been playing Don't Starve on the yes. PlayStation. Yes, I played some of that. Uh, yeah. So Don't Starve has been on PC for a while, but yeah. it is just recently free on the PlayStation Four with PS Plus. Yeah. Uh, without PS Plus, it's available now for fifteen dollars. I think it is. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> who knows? PS Plus. It's free. <laughs> Uh, Don't Starve is a sort of, uh, it's, it's kind of a 2D sort of, uh, top-down pencil sketch style Lovecraftian survival, uh, do-it-yourself kind of game. Does that kind of sum it up? Is that, is that Tim accurate? Burton makes Minecraft. It's, uh, yeah, okay, all right, I, I can get on with that, yeah. Uh, 
so the idea of, of the game is that you are uh, you start there are many characters but you start out as sort of a, a mad genius inventor kind of a kind of a if if, if mm. this were a Tim Burton game this would be the Johnny Depp, Depp yes. uh, character of course. Of course. who is sort of dumped into a do you unlock the Helena Bonham Carter there's there is sort of a fire girl who has sort of vague you know wide eyes so mm-hmm. maybe maybe. I think we could draw a connection here. Uh, But you're dropped into, with with nothing but your wits, a vaguely familiar world of flowers and and bunnies and creepy pig people and spiders and worms. And the goal, basically, is that you need to bootstrap it and survive as you manage your health meter, your hunger meter, and your sanity meter Mm -hmm. uh, walking around in this environment and, and, and escape. Uh, now I'll tell you, I have not gotten really very far in this. Neither have I. Because the, the idea of the game is that you pretty much learn by doing. So much like in your your Minecrafts or your Terrarias or some of those kinds of things, they don't give you a lot of direction. But the game is based on a, a an interlocking set of environmental systems, I guess you might say. So um, you can start out by uh, gathering, you know, just basic resources from the environment around you. You can pull twigs out of the ground. You can get uh, flint that you find laying around, uh, grasses and things like that. And as you do this, you start to unlock items in a crafting menu on, on the one side of the screen. And by just going around and picking things up, you realize, oh, I can build an axe. And with the axe, you might start chopping down some of the, you know, the pine trees that are that are around. And the pine trees are constantly growing or decaying or whatever. So as you know, as time passes, there's a not not a real time, but you know, there's a constantly moving clock that that cycles from mm-hmm. from daytime to nighttime. And uh, so your first pretty imminent goal is that you've got to find some way to survive through the first night. And you find out either by learning the hard way or otherwise that once it gets dark, uh, you basically die. Uh, there are creepy things out there, little eyes shining in the darkness, and suddenly things start to hit you and hurt you if you don't have a fire built, and, and you die. So in this game, you have a tendency to learn by failing. You sort of mm-hmm. fail forward, which I know isn't always super popular these days, and I'm not sure how much of that really happens, even in, even in Minecraft. I mean, there's not a lot of learning by dying, but I feel like Don't Starve kind of has that element to it. Would you say the Darwin Awards are learning through failure? I, I think so. You know, okay. you know what else it sort of reminds me of a little bit is kind of Spelunky. When you would die in yeah. Spelunky, it mm-hmm. would give you a little journal entry and say, oh, I died because, you know... Snake bite. Yeah. yeah, exactly, or whatever. Giant spider mauled me to death or something like that. This <laughs> right. um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so as you spend time in this weird, uh, sort of muted, dark world, uh, you, you have your little triumphs. You might realize, oh, I can, I can gather up wood and I can start to, if you get enough wood, you can start to build, uh, you know, a fire pit. And if you get rocks that you can, you can gather, eventually you, you start to figure out, okay, I can, I can build a pickaxe. And then you can start hacking away at boulders that are around. And everything in the world has little regions. Everything is randomly generated. So every time you play the game, you're dropped who knows where. And you can head in any given direction and it'll be a completely new experience. So you learn the systems, but you still are at at a disadvantage because you don't know whether you're nearby a particular resource that you might need. Um, You could find yourself in a dead end. Uh, I have found through my own hubris that sometimes I just don't have the resources ready to build a fire when nighttime comes. So no matter how good you are, there's still the potential for you to die there. Um, But 
in in the sort of true hunter gatherer fashion, uh, you start out by just eating berries off of bushes and you know carrots that you find laying around, but it doesn't really fill your hunger meter that much. And you eventually figure out from this crafting menu because the the way that is really best to learn what you're doing and don't starve is to look at the things that are locked yep. in the crafting menu and to realize, okay, uh, apparently my my mad genius scientist and, sort of knows that and, if he and these. to listen to that sound of what you just unlocked and say, okay, yes. how can I use this? Exactly. So there's chimes that will let you know. Just by just by gathering up the resources, you'll hear like a bong kind of a sound, and you'll see that on your crafting menu some things now are unlocked. And uh, so you, you sort of figure out, okay, kind, kind of like in, in Minecraft where you need a crafting table or in Terraria you get a crafting table or, or a stove or something, you figure out that you can build little structures that allow you to expand that crafting menu. And you eventually figure out, okay, well, I need to find a place to really settle down so like i was saying yeah. earlier the hunter-gatherer thing doesn't really cut it because those berries they just do not they don't they don't do it for you so you eventually can build things like game traps to, to get the little bunnies mm-hmm. that are hopping around or you know trap the birds uh and you can even do things that are not really good for your health either you can eat mushrooms that actually will lower your what you eventually do i mean and so that, the farthest i got in the game was when i figured out that i could set up my own little they don't really have a, a house system, but you can build walls. If you get enough wood or you get enough stone, you can actually build little surrounding walls. Because there are, there are creatures out there that will that will get you. I mean, there are hounds and things that suddenly yeah. will start chasing you and giant... Tentacles. Like, yeah, tentacle things and, and giant ants. Yes. Oh, yeah, tentacles. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're spiky tentacles, though. I don't know that they'd be oh. really good. Yeah, that would mm-hmm. be spiky. Uh, or you know, or whatever, whatever is is out there roaming around will eventually be coming for you. So I eventually figured out, okay, well, you know, there are these vaguely yak-like things, beefaloes, and they they poo all over everywhere. And hey, guess what? <laughs> poo is a useful resource. We were talking a little bit earlier about the golden poos. Here we have beefalo poo, and beefalo oh, poo no. can help you to fertilize a little plot of land, and you can start growing your own vegetables. And so eventually, I got myself, and I was transplanting trees. Man, I had a shovel, and I was digging stuff up, and you know, I, I got my myself a little homestead uh and then i died basically and i i bring it to that abrupt downer because the to me the big downside of don't starve is that you can spend a lot of time getting yourself set up but a death is a death and you get sent right back to the beginning Mm -hmm. and so it it is fun, and I found myself really getting sucked in. If I could if I can work up the fortitude and just the guts to just sit down and to make a good go of it again, I really get sucked in, and it's a lot of fun. It's really engaging, entertaining. There's a lot of things that you can do. You can eventually go spelunking. There's, um, you, you know, the the goal is that eventually you build enough. Uh, at least with the, you know, I haven't really played any of the other characters, but with the inventor to build up enough sciency stuff to find a way home and and to conquer this thing. So presumably there is eventually an end game in Don't Starve, but I've never gotten anywhere near it as far as I can tell. Uh, I got pretty well self-sufficient, though, so I was really proud of myself, and then I died from some stupid random, I don't even know what it was. Um, now, now, Jeremy, you mentioned that, and I, I think in theory I like that mechanic where death could happen at any moment. But for me, when I was playing, you know, much like you, I I thought I was making some serious headway. And then Mm. death came, and I didn't really feel like restarting the game. That's exactly... So there there was a certain point where I just kind of quit playing Don't Starve. And it's not that I didn't enjoy the game, but something about the flow of it, of just completely starting over. If I had been perhaps a little incentive for my next of kin... You know that that would be well, nice. and you do start to unlock characters that have other abilities. Too. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, like I said, there's a sort of fire starter girl. There's a lumberjack. Just, just that starting over really took the wind out of my sails. It, it's true, and I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. And that's probably the biggest drawback, I think, to Don't Starve. But every time I come across it on my, you know, my menu bar on my PlayStation 4, I kind of think... <laughs> how, many, how many games are on there? Eight? I could go... Seven? Yeah, yeah. There's a few of them. I mean, I you know, there, actually, there's some that I haven't even played. I mean, I started. I'm not. I wasn't planning on talking about it today, but I just started Contrast, which has been there from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. Which actually I found kind of kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's mm-hmm. you know Escape Plan. There's Rezo Flower. Gun. There's all the stuff for yeah. Resogun is on there Rezo still, Gun. and yeah. I, I have not been playing as many of these games as I would really like to be. But Don't Starve is there now, and the, the thing about Don't Starve is in the same way that it can be discouraging when you lose everything. It's not that hard to get. So to claw your way back up again. I mean, once you know yeah. what you're doing, right. if, like I said, if you can just work up the the mood to do it and be like, okay, all right, that's it. There's the Talk time involved, time. though. It's true, and there is time, but there's, there's time an investment. In any- Right. Yeah. yeah, and and it could be that once you figure out exactly what you need to do, maybe the maybe the end game isn't that bad. But uh, you know, in terms of the time it takes to do it, but uh, I I feel like it's worth it. And obviously, if you're listening to this and you have a PlayStation 4, chances are you have PS Plus. You're probably yeah. already playing this. So, in in one sense, you know, why not just give it a shot? But in in the other sense, it it really is kind of a, a different sort of. It's not quite Minecraft. I mean, there's not there's not that same creation sort of element to it. It's it's a lot more like I don't know if any of you guys played um, uh, How to Survive on. Uh, yeah, I, I played. I never talked about it on the show, but I, I maybe should have. But where where the the environment is set a certain way, and it really is your resourcefulness, the luck of the draw, what kinds of things you're having to deal with. Um, and that, you know, that is kind of a, a new sort of, uh, Rust does that as well. Yeah. Rust is another big one and that's yeah. not even released yet. I mean, that's like, is I, that even might be alpha at this point, yeah, but uh, that, that's going to be a big one. You're going to be hearing a lot about rust. And, uh, so, <laughs> a lot so of this, complaints. yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen some Death. crazy stuff yeah. though. You know, I heard yeah. the guy who made it, uh, he, he also did, um, uh, Gary's mod and I oh, guess okay. it has already, I think it's already surpassed the amount of money that he's made the entire time hmm. with Gary Pond. So yeah, I believe it. Uh, it is. It is definitely catching catching on. So uh, one quick hint for those of you playing the PS4 version: um, I don't consider this a spoiler or a cheat. There is a map that is ever present. You can always use a map to figure out where you are in the game. It will show you icons for all of the resources, the trees, the rocks, everything that you come across, and it it sort of un you know it, it starts out all black and obscure, but you, as you traverse the terrain, you can actually see where you've been and maybe get some hints for where you want to go. Press the touchpad on the PS4 controller to get that map. Uh, maybe everybody already knows that. It took me like three play sessions to figure that out. Uh, apparently, I was a badass and was just making it without knowing where the hell I was. But use that touchpad, get yourself a map. And don't starve on PS4. There you go. So don't starve. Tips, tips, and what was it called? Tips and tricks. Tips and tricks. <laughs> Twenty fourteen edition. Tip. Pro tip: <laughs> use the map. Yeah, go. actually, honestly, I have not starved in Don't Starve. I've never died by starvation. Hmm. So you have one job in Don't Starve. If you die by other means, you can consider that a victory. I think my gluten-free character <laughs> 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 fell off the map. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the other thing I've been playing is, uh, it's a game on PlayStation Mobile. We haven't talked about PlayStation Mobile on the show for quite a while, I think, but a new game from, um, uh, Disaster Piece, I think, did the music, uh, what, I, you know, the name of the studio is escaping me, I'm going to look it up right now, but it's called Gun House on PlayStation Mobile, 
And this, I, I like to try and describe the game to, to people who haven't played it, just because I think you have to have a point of reference. And this is probably the most difficult to, to wrap my head around concept that I think I have ever come across. So, so bear with me. I'm going to try this out. We're going to see how it goes. Gunhouse is a hybrid turn-based match three pseudo tower defense single screen puzzle game that's i'm still that's, with you that's the best i can do so let, let me just gunhouse one or two words yeah gunhouse is all one word okay um, i'm on board with that so yeah so the thing I is think that i can understand where you're coming from so <laughs> let, let's talk about it for a minute so you you that's basically play the game entirely <laughs> entirely on a single screen uh, your house is a three-story house on the far right-hand side of the screen, and inside the house is a set of uh, puzzle panels, kind of like your uh, you know, puzzle league or, or bejeweled or something like that. And every time you match three, uh, and you have to do it at least two by three, uh, so you can't just have three in a row, you have to match like little blocks. Whenever you match a block, you can swipe it to the left-hand side of your house where it becomes a gun, one of three stories of guns that you can <laughs> attach to your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there are different elements. So you can have ghosty type. You know, for, There basically is a type of gun for every sort of panel that you can match. Uh, and you start out with ghosty type or skulls. You can do an ice, sort of an igloo type thing, or you can do a fire dragon. And... Uh, you can swipe it to the left-hand side, or you can swipe it to the right-hand side, and it becomes a little special attack canister. Again, one of three stories on the right-hand side. So you can basically load out your gun house with guns and special attacks. Uh, now, there's a, limited, there's a time limit to this. You have, I think, 10 to 15 seconds to, to ma- make as many of these matches and swipe them to the sides as you can. Um, I'll also say here that if you make multiple matches of the same type, you can swipe them onto guns that already exist and power them up even more so the, so the effects of the guns stack. So that's the gun house. Now, while you're doing that, on the left-hand side of the screen will arrive an assortment of crazy, weird-ass, like the weirdest-looking things coming either by ground or by air to assault your gun house. Uh, inside your gun house, there are also apparently orphans, because sometimes the, the invading enemies will come to your gun house and steal orphans away. Uh, your gun house also has a life meter, so you have hearts at the top, and depending on how many hits you take from enemy projectiles, or if they start stealing orphans, you start to lose life. So as, so as your turn ends, and you've, you've built your guns and your special attacks, bad guys will come, and you can choose to fire off or to hold off on and wait any of your guns are special attacks. Um, and then according to the story of the building that you're on, you know, you'll have high attacks, low attacks, mid attacks. And depending on the strength of the attack, uh, so I, like I mentioned earlier, you can sort of stack the type of attack to the gun. And the gun will start this, like, this quivering sort of like powerful, like latent you know, potency sort of thing that it's doing. So if you start to really stack up a, a particular type of gun, it's just waiting there. And you can tell that if you touch it, it's going to... Uh, although sometimes, sometimes yeah. I will say for all of the fanfare of that quivering gun, sometimes it's just like this little stream that comes out. Oh, and it, yeah, it's, it's actually I got, innuendo. Yeah, well, actually, Gunhouse has gotten me thinking a lot about my prostate health uh, yeah. lately. So, and it's yeah. also the first game made by a paranoid schizophrenic. <laughs> Kitty. Actually, it it has this weird. I tweeted this. The style and the concept of this game—it's one. Have you ever played a game where it was just so off the wall 
that you just questioned reality. Oh, yeah. That you just, like, felt just so weirded out by the game that it's altered your perception. Candy Crush this, Saga. Uh, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit like that, but, like, the art style of this, you know how uh, Tex Avery, so, you know Tex yeah. Avery, mm-hmm. the cartoon, Animated. right? Yeah. yeah, and uh, the the later games, like in the 90s and stuff, you know, the, the cat dog style stuff and the uh, cow and chicken, where there's the weird characters that when they walk, they like squash and, and stretch and deform and they have like flapping butt cheeks and stuff like that. Oh, so basically <laughs> like Cartoon Network now. Yeah, right. <laughs> like the art style of this is like with weird, like cherub cheeked, grinning, squinty eyed clouds looking at you, and the bad guys that come in are like these weird penguin things. It's it's just so weird, you guys. I'm just trying to to put you in the mindset of it's just weird. But here's the thing, though. So after I've described all of this, it works somehow. Like it is. It is. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like this weird thing that is more than the sum of its parts because you have to manage like all of this weird stuff. And I'll tell you the puzzle swapping. So let me tell you about the panels for just a minute because that was the, that was one of the things that really threw me. You can't just swap the panels. All you can do is swipe them left or right, and and your your panels are three or four icons wide. And if you swipe it to the right, you're going to lose a panel on the right so that something on the left can drop down and vice versa. So all you can do is swipe things to the left or right and let stuff drop. And usually, I'm pretty good at these type of games, but it took me, and I still am not quite sure that I've mastered it. But while I'm on this timer, this 10 or 15 seconds to be matching these panels, I'm like, oh, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, God, I can't, I can't do this. And I'll think I have it, but then I'll like accidentally swipe it the wrong way because I wanted something to actually drop on the other side. And, oh, God damn it. And then I have nothing, and the guys are coming. And at first, it was really frustrating, but I kind of enjoyed the fact that I hadn't mastered the system. Like, it added, like, this certain this certain level of, you know, real dramatic tension that I just was so fumble-fingered with it that there was no guarantee that I would have exactly the guns or the special attacks that I wanted by the time the weird-ass penguins were going to come. Um, or, you know, they're not always penguins. Sometimes they're cats or, you know, who knows, who knows what the shit they are. Um, but... It is, it is the most different experience that I've had. I mean, it just combines such weird, disparate things into this one weird package. And there's, like, weird little story elements going on in the loading screens that don't even make sense. Talking about... I, I don't even know what... I, I can't even describe it to you. But um, that that's essentially how Gun House works. And, and I hope I've described it, because playing it took a minute to grasp, and it was just different than anything I think I've ever played. So I'm probably going to be sticking with Gun House for quite a while, because I feel like there's just something there that I really need to, to understand and, and get to the core of it. Um, and I don't feel like a lot of people are going to be talking about or playing Gun House. <laughs> Jeremy yep. Lamont, Gun House, Game of the Year. I- I'm like the one, so far, I mean, it's a pretty good one. Uh, and again, it's PlayStation Mobile, so it's on your Vita. It's like three bucks or something. In fact, it might, there might even be some PS Plus discount right now. So, you know, if you maybe play it on your PS Plus is on PS Mobile? I didn't know that. Uh, you know, maybe it's yeah, not. I'm sorry okay. about that. Maybe it's just the weird price point. It's like, even the price point is weird, man. It's, like it's $2.62. It's, it's, it's like $3.29 <laughs> or something. Wow. I mean, what kind of magic? Enjoy that 31 cent leftover. I know. Or 71 cent left over, whatever. Whatever, whatever it is. But uh, anyway, so I had to talk about Gunhouse. I, I don't know if it's a good game. I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> but you love it. I, but it, it frustrates it, you in a good it, way. It is in my head somehow. Do you I don't dream know if of I've, Gunhouse? I don't know if I've just been thinking about it too much or, or At work, what? do you find yourself drawing pictures of Gunhouses? 
Yeah, like just in my mashed potatoes, like <laughs> building them. Yes. Um, like close encounter to the third kind <laughs> style. Yeah. Um, so, Gun House. Um, uh, <laughs> any questions about Gun House? I mean, I think I've linked it all. Where do I sign up? Yeah, I know. That's that's about all I can tell you about Gun House, but uh, it is it is bizarre. There there is also like a little upgrade system. You get money as you do. There's like, like this weird little vacuum guy that goes around as you kill enemies. They drop money and stuff, and he it's just this weird. Why oh, is there not punctuation in the title like Gunsmoke? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, again, it's probably all. I mean, the, the the fact is, this is probably some deviously, sanely insane. It's all planned. It's all like right. carefully calculated. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's a conspiracy. It's Gunhouse. I'd love to see the design docs. I I wonder what it takes to make something like that to decide. You know what? We're going to take. I mean, it's almost something where you just go to a whiteboard and say, "All right, let's. We're going to draw. We're going to graph out all of the genres here. We're going to diagram everything. How, let's the, find how they all fit together. Yeah. Well, let's find a bunch of them. Right. And I, I don't know. I mean, it gives it gives me hope that there are. Is there still, a story? Uh, kind of. I, I mean, you I, mentioned cutscenes. Yeah, yeah, it's not even cutscenes. It's just loading text, and mm. it's talking about like, oh, you know, the orphans are, are they're, you know, they're really, uh, they're really disturbed by the commotion, and one of the one of the orphans got the devil in her, and she needs the <laughs> tonic or something. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's weirding me out to even think about it, though. Mm. <laughs> um, but I, it gives me hope that in in this day and age of everyone complains about the samey samey, all the games are the same. There's no nothing new. Um, Gunhouse came out of nowhere. And uh, who's the boy, developer? Gonna host. Uh, you know, I, I still forgot to look it up. It's uh, Necrosoft, I think. <laughs> Necro, uh, like dead. Y- yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, uh, what's the what's the guy's name? Um, he, he's also a contributor over at like. Uh, let's see. I'll I'll look this up. But uh, anyway, the um, it, it's it's just weird. We'll we'll look it up somewhere. He's also I, a contributor for. Uh, he's, I think he's a contributing editor for Gama Sutra oh, and okay. um, Brandon Sheffield. I think is his name. Oh. Uh, Necrosoft you, Twitter. They're gonna say like bloody disgusting. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> uh, Necros- yeah, it's Necrosoft Games Gunhouse, and uh, it's just kind of a weird little thing that I guess they just came up with. And um, yeah. So uh, the last thing I wanted to talk briefly about because it's not technically a game fully on its own is uh we've been hearing about it for a long time ever since we heard about the weird ass name in you know when it came out in japan or was announced for japan uh bravely default which is the um 3ds rpg uh it's coming out in is february the name really that weird i mean i know it's nonsensical is it, well, remember when is it, it was bravely, bravely default or bravery default well in japan no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, it is <laughs> what uh, <laughs> bravely default, but in Japan it was like bravely default flying fairy, mm-hmm. and then they had like bravely default for the sequel. Was the name of the sequel that I guess they're, and I think what we're getting is actually a combination of the of the two because I think they had two games there. Or there was a game and an add-on or something, and we're getting kind of a. A hybrid version of that, but it's it, it is just a weird name, like bravely default. I, I've heard the joke that oh, I guess it must be about somebody who you know decides to take a stand and not pay their student loans. Um, oh, yeah, bravely default. Um, That's an but, infinite undiscovery, Jeremy. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> um, so bravely default. Actually, the thing that I really like about bravely default, and I know I've said this about games before, but I have kind of a Final Fantasy one kind of. 
uh, obsession. Like to me, that I guess that game affected me so much that when a game has that feel to it or has that that kind of style, it really resonates with me. And I didn't even originally plan to play this. They've they've made a specific point of releasing this bravely default demo on the 3DS eShop. You can go get it right now; it's free. Yep. Um, and it basically tries to teach you the, the the basics. I mean, it's basically a vertical slice of the game. The idea of, of the Bravely Default concept, and you've probably heard people talk about this before, but the idea is that the combat system allows you to, on any given turn, you, you could you could play it straight. You could you could just attack when your turn comes around. You've got four characters, just like in you know Final Fantasy one, two, three, you know whatever. You've got guys lined up on one side, bad guys line up on the other side, and you just take your turn and go down the list. And then you can attack people. You can use magic. You can use items. You can try and run. Pretty basic stuff. And you could play it that way if you want, but it's called Bravely Default. On every one of your turns, you can choose whether you want to set your... You can spend... They, they call them... I think they're action points or something. What are, what are they called? Help me out here, Robert. They're... Brave, brave points, bra- aren't they? Brave BP? Points. Yeah, BP. Brave points. Yeah. Uh, and you can either choose to spend the brave points you have and take extra turns. So if you have... Let's say you've got uh, you know, two brave points. Uh, you can actually take two turns and, and attack twice or attack once and use magic once or attack once and use an item once but you basically get to stack up your turns you can even go in the hole and you can say alright I'm going to say I want to. Sp- I don't have enough brave points but I'm going to spend like five brave points or something I'm going to go five times deficit spending yeah. Yeah, exactly that's exactly what you can do and you can say alright I'm going to attack 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 and just hope to hell that I can kill all of the bad guys because if you do not Anything that you're in the hole, by the time your next turn comes around, you have to wait until you acquire enough brave points again to go. So you have to have at least one brave point, which you get at the beginning of every turn, to actually do something. So you can do that, or you can choose to go into a default state where you basically... It's sort of like saying defend. Like You basically do nothing, but you get a little bit of a defense boost, and you accumulate BP. So you can you can basically say, all right, I'm going to just defend, defend, defend. And you can do it strategically. Each character can do their own thing. So what I ended up doing was if I had a... Um, you know, a magic user, a white mage specifically, somebody to heal, you don't really need to do a lot of healing on your first turn, so go ahead and default them so they don't get, you know, taken out, and if it turns out that you need them to start doing some mass healing, uh, spend some brave points and start, you know, healing everybody up. And the... So, so that's the concept, and that's the thing that they really need to get across in this game, because you've heard about it, you've heard people talk about brave and default and bravely default, but it, it really is an elegant little system. Right. It's almost uh, like they put gambling... It is a gambling a, game inside the, the traditional turn-based. It is a little bit like gambling because yeah. you can decide. I mean, you, and and you know, maybe you can even stagger people. Maybe you can say, "All right, I've got a fighter. I'm going to just brave, 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 brave." You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to f some shit up. I'm going to you know then let him sit, and then my next guy, who's maybe some other class. So there's also a class system, a job system here, and uh, pretty easy to to swap in and out of, of jobs. You can basically do it anytime and. And uh, you level up. So as you defeat enemies, you get experience points. So you can level up your character, I guess, just on a kind of basic level. But then you can also level up individual jobs with, uh, you know, job points, basically, that you get at the end of of each uh, combat. And so you can pretty much make any character into anything you want. You can customize your your team and, uh, uh, you know, decide how you're going to be leveling people up and what your strategy is going to be. And those systems sort of interlocking with each other and and kind of interplaying with each other actually makes for a really interesting little game. I did not expect to be interested at all in Bravely Default. And primarily, I'm shallow, whatever, the name really Hmm. turned me off. Especially when it was Bravely Default Flying Fairy. Like, what? 
Like, don't call it that stuff. Just call it Killblazer or something. I mean, call it something awesome. Kill, Killblazer. Killblazer. I, I, I would think, never pick that up. Jimmy. No, dude. Killblazer is an awesome game. Killblazer. Killblazer is the sequel to Gunhouse. Yes. <laughs> um, the the thing about this though, so I'm talking about the demo here. That, like I said, the game is is coming out uh, next month in February. Um, so I don't think we can talk about the game itself. But uh, the demo is um, having a lot of fun with it. And plus, I I think a lot of cool stuff is the Street Pass and uh, online yes. integration. As well. So so here's the other thing: is that as you're doing this separately, completely independent. Well, not completely independently, but kind kind of as a side note from from the main game is. A uh, kind of a dark cloud esque, maybe is that fair? Dark cloud. Oh, I really like dark cloud. Not quite. Yeah. Not quite. No, no. So you 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 can build a little town. So uh, in the story, and I didn't really get to pick this up from the demo. They kind of start you out. Yeah. The, the demo. The demo is pretty bad. Yeah, I was gonna say it is not a good. Don't. I don't mean, take, role playing don't... games are really hard to demo. If you if you're not having a good time. And don't just rule out the game because you didn't quite get the game. The, the and game. I almost did. I mean, this uh, is no. not, like Robert says, this is not really a good demo, quote-unquote. I mean, it's not good as a demo. It's a, it's what I would call a good vertical slice, but it does not really tell you what you're doing. It's not like playing the first level of a game where it explains what's going on. I mean, it is basically, I mean, I, I feel like they basically just took, you know, here's the town, here's some surrounding areas, right. let's throw some quests in and go. Yep. Here you are, and, three hours into the game. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I, in fact, when I left the town for the first time, I didn't even really realize that the class system was there. I was walking around as a bunch of, you know, just, uh, what, what do they call them, freelancers or something? That uh, They don't even have abilities, they don't have good attacks, they don't have anything. I went out there and just got my ass kicked repeatedly because I had no idea what was going on. And it took me, I don't even remember how I figured it out. I'm like, geez, this is terrible. What? So I finally searched around the menus and found out, oh, I can assign jobs. Uh, and then, then I started to have a you know a little bit better time with it. But um, the the music is pretty good. It's not uh, what I expected it to be. I, I was actually sort of hoping for another uh, another great bass escape uh, Hitoshi Sakamoto sort of musical score. It's not that, but uh, it is it is acceptable. It's passable. I think there will probably be people who really like the music. Um, the art style is very cute. They have the little stubby legged uh, sort of yeah, like in. Um, what was the uh, like, theater yeah. rhythm? Theater rhythm, Final Fantasy. Is that yeah? Maybe uh, yeah. maybe that's fair. Maybe uh, um, the so Final Fantasy interesting to look at. Cute little characters, pretty decent bad guys, and you know once you figure out the systems that are in play, you basically always have um, options, which is one thing that I really like about it. Is you can decide how you want to play it, how you want to do your your brave and your default, uh, how you want to set your classes up. Uh, you know where you want to go, what kinds of equipment you want to carry. So you can go to shops, and like I said, I got a very Final Fantasy one sort of vibe from it. Um, you know, money, the, the the economy is balanced just so, so that uh, upgrading your equipment isn't something you can do all the time. So you really have to kind of think about, oh, do I really want that sword, or would I rather get that armor? Um, and, and it just felt like a really well balanced, good, just a well mixed kind of game, if that makes sense. So blue. What have you been playing? Well, I dusted off my PlayStation Vita after a few weeks of having it just shoved into the drawer and neglected. Well, I I got a lot of PS3 games for Christmas, so I was busy chipping away at those. But, you know, I jumped into uh, Persona 4 Golden again because I'm still still chipping away at that. And I got uh, the Final Fantasy XIII, the the two of the 
the, the two of the three saga, uh, Final Fantasy thirteen Saga games uh, for Christmas, so I'm trying to blitz this and get through that so I can start those, because I just... I cannot start an epic-length RPG knowing that I have another epic-length RPG that I'm Waiting. still working on. It just mm-hmm. completely fries my mind. Um, you know, I'm, I'm coming down the home stretch with it. I don't think I'm like almost at the end, but I think I'm starting to wind things down a little bit. But um, one thing that I absolutely love about Persona 4 is that whenever the group takes a trip anywhere... The funniest moments in the game usually happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, with like, um, like the beach trip, Kanji will lose his swimsuit mm-hmm. and he'll have to hold Teddy as a little bit of a shield yeah. <laughs> until the girls pass or then they use seaweed or stuff like that. But I love Persona 4's sense of humor. It seems like whenever the group takes a trip anywhere, I usually end up laughing out loud numerous times and that's one thing i'm going to just miss once i've actually finished the game is you know i I just i love the game sense of humor and i cannot believe i'm going to say this but i think i'm actually liking it a little more than persona 3 as far as the characters go Mm. they announced they announced persona 5 now right is that did i do i remember that correctly they announced something new recently yeah they've they actually announced uh several different persona games uh they've announced a Kind of a Hatsune Miku like uh, Persona Four Dance All Night music game for the Vita, which I hope comes over here. That's what it was. I, yeah, it, it was something kind of bizarre. Yeah, it, it's so out there, but because the Persona branding is on there, I almost have complete faith that it's going to turn out to be at least halfway decent. Mm-hmm. It's, it's everything the Persona brand touches seems to no pun intended, turn to gold. <laughs> and, wow. um, you know, I'm, I am looking forward to Persona 5. I mean, we, all we've seen so far is the teaser trailer hinting at, you know, the school and tests are like a ball and chain. And, like, the Persona 5 is going to be about breaking free from the ball and chain. And that's pretty much all we know. But um, I'm hoping it's... I'm hoping it's closer in vibe to Persona 4 than hmm. than uh, P3. I mean, P3 was very good. I When I rolled the credits on that, I felt like I'd played the best RPG I've ever laid hands on. But, you know, the vibe of it was kind of dark and kind of almost on the gritty side. Or, and uh, Persona 4 had so much color in the presentation. The music was upbeat. It's just... Uh, it, it was a very nice vibe for a game, and I hope Persona Five, you know, carries that over. But yeah, so I'm getting close, closer to the end of that. I think I'm, I just passed like the 50 hour mark, so I don't think I have too much left to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the point where I tell Jeremy he absolutely needs to play this thing sooner rather than later. Oh man! Just put down PS or Persona One and still just... playing Persona One. Wow. The hell with it. This is so Jeremy, much didn't better. you open this guy? Or didn't didn't you start playing this guy? How far well, did you I, get? I what down- chapter? I I, well, I downloaded you know, it. They, I, you know. No, I Maybe. don't know. Tell me. Don't make me end the show right here. Leave me alone. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> go go play this guy right now. Leave the show. Uh, I'm actually playing I'm actually playing uh, Gun House right at the moment. <laughs> Great. 
Okay, gun house it is. What else have you been That's playing, Blue? I uh, also picked up Kill, uh, Killzone Mercenary, which yeah. was on oh, sale yeah. for the 14 for 14 uh, PS3 games and 14 for 14 Vita games yes. uh, sale. And this was on sale for nine bucks. And yeah. I just so happened to, ha- to you know, have been wa- looking at it. Like, Did you guys get stop. Puppeteer? No. I did. You did? I Good did, despite the fact that I have very low expectations for Puppeteer. Everybody who, plays it says it, everybody who plays it says it's really good, but i got to be honest, and I may have even said this before, but it kind of looks like a level Little in Little Big, Big Planet. Planet. Yes, you did. <laughs> and I, I love some Little Big Planet, but I just cannot, I cannot bring myself to be excited about Puppeteer because I, it just doesn't look like a, a real game. It looks like a community-made level. No, no, it's a real game. Go, go play it after this guy. Okay, sorry, Blue. After this guy. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it was on sale for nine bucks during the um, fourteen, the fourteen for fourteen, for 14 yeah. sale. So I, uh, you know, I've been looking at it. Uh, I guess it was GameStop or Target or something like that. So I thought, yeah, what the hell? You know, I prefer to have those things, you know, physical, save a little bit of space on the Vita memory card. But right. at nine bucks, I mean, that's yeah. less than half of you know the best price I've seen it for. So you know, what the hell? Twenty on Black Friday. That's when I picked it up. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, for twenty bucks, it's not. It wouldn't be bad, but you right. know, for nine bucks, it's even better. Yeah. Um, I wanted to kick my own ass for not waiting further on that. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, uh, you know, as far as the game itself goes, it runs on a, um, on a scaled back version of the Killzone Three engine, and mm-hmm. I can't exactly, you know, elaborate on how scaled back it is since I haven't played Killzone Three yet. But for what it is, it's a pretty competent first-person shooter on a portable. I'd say, That's you know. Cool. It's really good. Yeah, I said it's, it's super competent. It's really good. Yeah, I mean it's. Um, I, I mean it has uh, console quality cutscenes to it. I mean the the graphics are fantastic as well. Um, you know the, the first uh, the first cutscene that you see after the first, or I think it's for the first mission actually. You are basically using like one of those you know uh, glide suits or squirrel suits or whatever. They're called where, um, uh, you know, you have like a little bit of some wings like between your legs and on your arms and stuff like that. And you are gliding in between, you know, these, you know, buildings and you're making your way into this one building where you have to rescue somebody. And if you were not watching it on the Vita, you could easily believe that you are watching a home console game. Uh, the the you know the draw distance you know, the graphics are fantastic for a portable, and uh, when the game actually gets you know gets going you know it looks you know it looks great on the Vita screen you know I mean sure if you get a little bit close up it's not quite as sharp as you know you'd hope but um uh it's how are the hell gas voices uh the hell gas very voices. British we're British and evil <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> why are they always shouting. Because they're the hell gas, they're very angry. <laughs> no, <laughs> Void rage. Like I had to turn it down in Killzone Shadowfall. There's one part where you're on a train and there's a hell gas. I guess that took over the PA. He's just like yelling stupid shit over and over again, like a weather report. <laughs> He's yelling that. What's all this then? Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> you can tell that we're the bad guys because we have this British accent. And our voices have some sort of distortion to them. Yeah. Yeah, I, gotta say, I, I gotta say, I like the Hellgast as bad guys. I think they're good bad guys. Make them quiet. 
Well, if they weren't yelling all the time, they wouldn't be evil. You know, uh, they'd be more intimidating if they didn't say anything stupid. You know, because yeah. they, they got the, the, the orange glow to the eyes. And, yeah, yeah and, I mean, this is the right. first time I've I've really played a kill zone game before, and from you know what I've seen, I mean, I'm I'm kind of, you know quasi impressed with it. I mean, it's you know it yeah. kind of feels like the standard first person shooter to me, but and when you think that it's you know running on the Vita, um, you know it looks you know like I said it looks very good for a, for a portable game. Uh, you know, nine bucks really wasn't a bad price on this at all. I mean, even twenty no. wasn't wasn't. Uh, I got a bad price I actually for it. got it for twenty on Black Friday, and I have no regrets. No regrets at all. No regrets. No regrets. No, regrets. no, we are not turning this into the hell gas. Yes. <laughs> no, Jeremy, stop Jokes and hell gas. Uh, should we take a break and talk to Ryan from Monkey Paw Games right now? Monkey oh, Paw. I'm gonna. I'm gonna wish that this interview is excellent. Finger closes. Monkey Paw wish. It's gonna go horribly wrong. <laughs> Robert here, and today I'm being joined by Ryan from Monkey Paw Games. Welcome to the Tech Gaming Podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Now, Ryan, let's start at the beginning. Can you tell me about the inception of Monkey Paw Games? Yeah, so Monkey Paw Games uh, started a while ago, and, and kind of our whole uh, uh, outlook on things is, is bringing retro games uh, back, back and on digital distribution platforms. So uh, think PlayStation Network and things like that. So what we do is... We see ourselves as this bridge between Japanese gaming and U.S. gaming and European gaming. And there's all these awesome titles in Japan that either have never been released outside that country, or there's been games that may have had a release here and there, but they were in such low volumes that that you just can't find them, or they're super hard to get your hands on. But the thing is, people haven't forgotten about them, and gamers still love these games, so... uh, we go out and get the the licensing and bring them back. So, um, you know, kind of being that bridge is, is kind of what we're about and, and what we do. So what's been your biggest success so far? 
So the biggest successes we've had are with the RPGs and the shmups. So the RPGs and uh, the shooters, they have these incredibly passionate gamers, and those games age incredibly well across different consoles and time. So when when we look at those games, they're, they're going to be immediately recognized by this core group of fans that get really excited about them, and that oftentimes they've recommended us to take a look at and, and release them. So th- those games do uh, very well for us. Now, has there ever been a game that, uh, say, you or fans have really wanted to bring, bring over? Personally, I would have loved to see Gunner's Heaven a rapid reload, but uh, for some <laughs> reason, you couldn't bring a particular title over. Yeah, so the thing about that is there's, you know, you, you could fill a, a laundry list full of, of games like that. And the thing is, is it might not be possible today or even next week, but maybe a year from now or maybe a little longer than that. We're super persistent when it comes to tracking these games down and bringing them out based on fan recommendation. We always say uh, never give up, never, ever give up. And that's very true with these games because, I mean, you remember that game. You want to play that game again. And that passion is what drives us and what drives a lot of the, the fans to keep requesting these games and you know they put a lot of faith in us to to track these things down and you know ultimately it might not work out but we're willing to to put in a huge amount of effort and hearing a lot of no's until we get a single yes or even a maybe (laughs) so far you've emphasized ps1 era games with just a smattering of psp titles Mm -hmm. have you looked at bringing over titles from other systems yeah, well, that that was kind of considered retro uh, with with the last batch of consoles, and now the the definition of retro is kind of changing right now. And so the one thing we always say is, uh, you know, anything's possible with enough fan support. And what we're seeing now is a lot more people uh, requesting PlayStation Two era games, or you know, even some old disc based systems or cartridge based systems that. Uh, you know, didn't have the the popularity of some of the other ones, but uh, you know, a lot of the the games there are are really brilliant. So, you know, we're we're always taking a look at stuff. You know, there's nothing that I can say, hey, we're bringing this game out. Uh, we're pretty focused right now on the retro rush, so we're bringing six PlayStation One classic games out that have never, um, all but one, have never been outside of Japan. So those are uh, pretty exciting titles for us, and they kind of all hit within those um, the genres that people are really. Uh, really uh, amped up about so next step wonder swan confirmed <laughs> you said it. now one of our readers mac 823 had a question for you uh he asked he or she asked are your games the actual ps1 imports or is there emulation going on behind the scenes so uh, we we do have to emulate these games uh just to bring them to the, the these new systems so that is a really good question and that that is part of the process that takes so long to get these games on there is because the the emulation process isn't so cut and dry it's there's a lot of tweaking and and kind of behind the scenes things that you need to make sure work and it doesn't always work like you expect it to and kind of going through that and making sure that all your your T's are dotted and your I's are crossed and switch that around to make that work uh, is all all there. So gamers that might be familiar with Monkey Paw uh, know about their collection of import games available on PSN. So two questions here. How hard was it to convince Sony to offer Japanese language games in the U.S. PSN store? And how difficult or financially unfeasible would localization have been? So, um, Sony has been a fantastic partner to work with. These games wouldn't be possible without their help, just hands down. Um, they want to see these games out just as much as we do because, you know, they're big gamers and they love these games. And 
and the PlayStation Network's a, a great a great distribution platform for a lot of these games. And um, you know, it's just been fantastic to work with them because they're they're pushing pushing hard uh, to get these games out. And then um, kind of the, the second part to that question, um, which I'm not remembering, but you might be able to jog my memory. <laughs> the localization decision. Localization. Um, so that would that would take a lot longer, and we want to bring these games out at a reasonable price so that everybody can enjoy them. Now, however, what we do is we try to find games that don't require a whole lot of working knowledge of the Japanese language, and when they do, or if there's menus or controller options that you need to know, we'll put up helpful guides and things that we, we uh, have somebody create specifically for these games to help people through. It'll let stateside gamers know that the X and O have been reversed. Yes, yeah, that, that that's the biggest adjustment. Yeah, X and O are uh, switched around. Now, I'm sure a lot of listeners would love to take a peek behind the Monkey Paw curtain. How does Monkey Paw determine which titles to bring stateside? So a lot of it is uh, kind of genre-based. So what, what, what genres are people really into? And we kind of touched on that a little earlier in the conversation here with, with RPGs and, and shmups. So, you know, those games are, you know, a clear winner for us. And... You know that that's tricky, specifically with the RPGs, because um, you know they're very text-heavy, and and you do need to to localize or find the the um, English version um, of it to to kind of bring over and and properly do. Um, however, yeah, you're right. The fans, fans are just a huge driving motivational factor for us to to bring these games out. And we always say, you know, everything's possible if there's enough fan support. And you know, it kind of goes along with our motto of never giving up ever. And so kind of combine all that we have these lists just flying in, in emails of, of what games people want to see and if it's possible or you know uh, maybe there's discussions already going on or, or have we already talked about this and things just aren't moving or, or maybe we can kind of nudge some people and, and see maybe maybe we'll get a yes this time it's just being very persistent now one title you put out which happened to be a personal favorite uh was class of heroes 2 uh, which was a joint effort between Monkey Paw and Gaijin Works. Mm-hmm. Now, despite a unsuccessful Kickstarter attempt and a few, more than a few, legal troubles, uh, you, you stuck to your promise and you got the digital download and UMD out. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that process? Must have been an ordeal. Yeah, well, uh, that was actually before my time. So I'm not too familiar with kind of how that all, all went down. I just uh, kind of saw it as an outsider. And, and yeah, I mean... It's it's that never giving up and you know always always looking to the fans and if there's enough demand for something we'll deliver on that promise you know we'll do everything in our power to make sure that you know the fans are getting um, you know what they're asking for you know especially if there's enough demand for it because it just makes sense we we want to bring these games out fans want to play them you know that that's <laughs> you know it's a no brainer right right yeah it's it's easy math to do. So let's talk about the concluding release on the Retro Rush promotion, which is Tomba 2, The Evil Swine Return. That was originally an SCEA property. How in the world did you wrestle rights away from them? So again, you know, it goes back to working with Sony and, and, and being persistent and things like that. The original Tomba took about a year to, to close the deal on that. So you know, hearing a lot of those, um, you know, maybes, no's, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then after after that was, you know, uh, you know, if we're bringing out the sequel, you can kind of surmise that the, the first one was a, a good success for us. And so uh, working on that. And, and, you know, this is the Japanese import version of Tamba 2 as well, just, just to make it clear. Now, beyond Class of Heroes 2G, can you tell us what's next for Monkey Paw? 
Yeah, we're right now we're just focused on the on the Retro Rush event. Uh, it's kind of big for us. We uh, after Classic Heroes two, uh, there was kind of a, a a period where we kind of uh, went back into our shell a little bit and kind of worked behind the scenes. And this Retro Rush event is now kind of us coming back out of the shell and being like, hey, here's what we've been working on. Here's a bunch of great, awesome retro games that are super fun to play. And, uh, you know, here, here's one every week. <laughs> so it's a little exhausting for us. And then uh, once that's all uh, all done, we're going to start working on uh, uh, Classy Heroes 2G. And then after that, yeah, we'll... we'll uh, We'll tackle that when we get there, but but right now we're kind of running a marathon. Sounds awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. Because he's ready for trivia. What about you, Jeremy? Oh, trivia! Um, oh, I... yes! Well, yeah, a little bit of horse in there. Uh, we got trivia. First question this week. Tomb Raider, the definitive edition, will be hitting store shelves all over the place. Much like the game's globetrotting protagonist, Lara. Speaking of globetrotting, name the place that Ms. Croft hasn't visited in one of her games. A, Uh-oh. New Zealand. B, Antarctica. C, Nevada. Or D, Japan? Uh, I think she was in Japan for... Um, the Cherry oh, Blossom Bruce? Festival. Yeah, I, I, I want to say she was in Japan at some point for... Um, in one of the uh, last-gen mm-hmm. uh, trilogy games. Maybe Underworld? I think. Um, and she kicked ass while... Wearing an excellent evening gown. Um, <laughs> nice <laughs> recollection, Blue. Hey, what can I say? You know, it. Uh, you know, cut down the center. It's, okay. Give, give a good feeling. Kick ass. Why not look good doing it? Yeah. Hell yeah. Hmm. Approved. Uh, I'm gonna say she did not go to New Zealand. Is there anything like? Remotely exploration worthy in New Zealand. Yeah, the, Hob- the Hobbit set. Yeah. Have you seen the pictures of like the abandoned set and like what's left of it and that sort of thing? Yeah. Actually, I guess they refurbished it for the new movies. Hmm. But there was a you know one of those abandoned uh, you know those blogs that they have those tumblers mm-hmm. and things where they're yeah. like oh we go to like a nuclear reactor and the concrete is melting. Right. <laughs> I, I would have thought that they would have cleaned up after and kind of left the environment you know not not so Hobbit house. <laughs> yeah, they did kind of just like leave it. Just dumped, dumped it there. there. <laughs> yeah. Well, Let's see go. you guys. Uh, Blue, what's your pick? Um, uh, my pick is that um, the PS4 version is 60 frames per second, and the uh, Xbox One uh, is only 30. Oh, oh well, uh, uh, New Zealand. Uh-oh. New Zealand. I'll agree with Jeremy. New Zealand. Um, do you think they'll patch that? By the way, I think they will. It could happen. 
You guys are correct. Stuff like New Yay. Zealand. <laughs> Question two. Although Tomb Raider creator Toby Gard left core design after feeling the creative control of Tomb Raider wrestled away from him, he went on to, to found co-founding Factor Development Studio, which produced only a single title. Name it. A. Blood Omen 2. B. Galleon. C. Cold War. Or D. Legacy of Cain. Defiance. Ooh. Uh, I feel like it's going to be a Legacy of Cain game since you, you gave two of them. I mean, I really don't know the answer, but uh, I'm, I'm going to pick one of those. So um, I'm say... What was C? Cold War. I'm going to go. Uh, I, I'm going to go with that. Seven years in the making. Galleon. You guys remember that one? Um, About negative. 2004. It was kind of a pirate. I, I bought it. I was it a Sid Meier game? <laughs> no, it was not. It should have been. No, it wasn't. Yeah, probably should have That been. was Pirates. That was Pirates. Pirates. This is Galleon. Three, this week also sees the release of Monkey Paws, The Fireman 2, Pete and Danny, a Japanese-only driven firefighting game. The title was developed by Human Entertainment, who had a hand in all of the following games, except one. I Damn have it. high expectations for this question. Do a, not disappoint me. Fire Pro Wrestling G. Yeah. B, Clock Tower 2, The Struggle Within. C, F1 Pole Position 64. Or D, Maximum Chase. Jeremy, we'll hear from you first, because we have a human, <laughs> a human oh, expert. Yeah, man, that is not... You know, I kind of feel like Clock Tower is sort of the weird odd man out. But on the other hand, it's usually that that is like... That's the one they did. Uh, but you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Clock Tower. Clock okay, Tower 2. The Clock Tower. Uh, first clock off, tower I'll go two, with the... Clocking. <laughs> well, first off, obviously, since you know, it's literally sitting about five feet away from me. Human did make Fire Pro Wrestling G, and this <laughs> sitting right there. <laughs> well, literally, and the reason why it's sitting there is because it's in I the got shrine. a Well, I got yeah. Well, I got a um, I got a PS One over at Goodwill for like two fifty when it was on sale or whatever. Two dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, and it was wow. just it, it, it was work? just the system. Uh, yeah, and here's the here's the thing about it. it. It was one of the earlier models with the RCA uh, ports on the back. Yeah, and you know, just for the heck of it, you know, I tossed in you know uh, I tossed in uh, Fire Pro Wrestling G, and it booted right up. Mm. And now PS ones are region locked. You need to have right. a Game Shark or whatever. Mm-hmm. This thing booted right up. So apparently. For $2.50, I got one of the RCA cable PS1s that's been region modded. Yeah. <laughs> that's a score right there. That is a freaking wow. score. Did you give and me your answer? No, no. I was going to no. say... Uh, <laughs> He's working around to it, Robert. Be patient. <laughs> All right. You know me. Fire Pro Wrestling. Does it to me every time. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that out of the lineup. <laughs> what was your answer, Blue? Uh, F- I'm going to say F1 pole position 64. Correct answer. Maximum chase. Damn. Whatever Cl- that didn't is. Clock Tower Two had Scissor Man. Was that the one with Scissor yeah, Man? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, Scissor- they all. I mean, Clock Tower is kind of scissory. Scissor Man. I don't yeah. think talked I'm like the Hell Guest. <laughs> Number no, four. That's what made him spooky. This week also sees the release of Broken Age Double Fine and the Giant Scissors. Well, yeah, that, that too. Scissoring. <laughs> this week also sees the release of Broken Age Double Fine's crowdsourced point and click adventure. 
Name the game's original code name. Is it A, Bubblegum Breakfast, B, Reds, C, Grim Fandango 2, or D, Game 12? Hmm. This sounds like something that we would have heard about. Game 12 kind of sounds right. Game 12 has a nice ring to it, but for some reason, Grim Fandango 2 just feels like something that they just codenamed just to get like some sort of a buzz about it before announcing something else entirely. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be different and most likely be wrong and say Grim Fandango 2. Do 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 I'm going with game twelve. Game twelve, correct answer. Just like that Warren Beatty masterpiece. <laughs> So raw, I leave you like some cardio Your brothers wanna bro? Bring it hard, we'll kick your tail, dude Call the ambulance, I'll beat you back into a game, you Shooting lyrics off like fireballs, you throwing all day Turn your mind into a cartridge, huh? Put away, lift my acclamation I see your admiration You're about to see your cancellation This your final Yo, destination Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain rapping Who be burning the tracks like a brash the bat Trying to challenge the falcon for the top of the pile Dude, the king of eagles even jocking my style How you show me your moves when I think I've seen them before But try to test me, you get an FG zero Cause I take them to Mutant City just to zip up the yap I come in first, then second on the victory lap oh.